Chapter Nine of Work and Win. Naughty Newman on a Cruise by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: An Attempt to Work and Win. Boston was two hundred miles distant, and Naughty was principally excited to know how he should get there, for he had decided to ship in that city. It would take him a week to go on foot and his funds were now completely exhausted, so that he could not pay his fare by railroad. If he could neither ride nor walk, the question was narrowed down to a point where it needed no further consideration. "'Here, boy, do you want a job?' said a gentleman, coming out of a dwelling with a valise and a large bundle in his hands. "'Yes, sir. Thank you, sir.' replied Noddy, springing forward and taking the heavier articles, without giving the gentleman the trouble to state what he wanted of him. This incident seemed to solve the problem for him. He could remain in Albany long enough to earn a sufficient sum of money to pay his fare to Boston. He followed the gentleman to the railroad station, and handed the valise to the baggage-master. The gentleman gave him a quarter of a dollar for his services. It was a liberal return for the short time he had been employed, and a few more such jobs as that would soon put him in funds. Noddy was sanguine now that he could earn money with entire ease, and all the difficulties which had beset him began to disappear. There was something exceedingly pleasant in the idea of being independent, of putting his hand into his pocket and always finding some money there which had been earned by his own labor it was a novel sensation to him work and win exclaimed he as he walked out of the railroad station i understand it all now and i may thank miss bertha for the idea in the enthusiasm of the moment he began to consider whether it would not be better to remain on shore and amass a fortune which he believed could be done in a short time he could carry bundles and valises till he got money enough to buy a horse and wagon when he could go into the business on a more extensive scale the road to fortune was open to him all his trials and difficulties had suddenly vanished and he had only to reach out his hand to pluck the golden harvest. The rattling of a train, which had just arrived, disturbed this pleasant dream, and Noddy hastened back to secure the fruit of his brilliant resolution. There were plenty of gentlemen with bags and valises in their hands, but not a single one of them wanted any assistance, and some of them answered his civil salutation with insult and harshness. The experiment did not work so well as he had anticipated, for Noddy's great expectations led him to believe that he should make about half a dollar out of the arrival of this train, instead of which he did not make a single cent. Work and win. But where are you going to get your work? said Noddy to himself. No more trains were to arrive for some hours, and he posted himself in the street asking for a job whenever there was the least prospect of obtaining one. At noon, Noddy was hungry, and was obliged to spend half his morning's earnings for a coarse dinner, for his circumstances did not permit him to indulge in the luxury of roast beef and plum pudding. During the afternoon, he lay in wait for a job at the railroad stations, 
and in the most public places of the city but the sum of his earnings was only five cents work and win said he some total of day's work thirty cents not enough to buy what i wanted to eat it don't pay if work did not pay stealing certainly would not and we are happy to say bertha grant had done her duty by him so faithfully that he did not feel tempted to resort to any irregular means of obtaining a subsistence. if work did not pay it was only because he could not obtain it he had not yet struck a productive vein he had been a-fishing a great many times but when he had no success he neither concluded that fish were not good nor that there were no fish in the river there was a train to arrive after dark from new york city and he determined to make one more effort to improve his fortunes as the passengers came out of the station with small parcels of baggage in their hands he offered his services to them his heart almost leaped with rapture when a gentleman handed him a small carpet-bag and told him to follow to the delavant house he took the bag and then to his horror he discovered that the gentleman was mr grant what had brought him to albany as noddy's sphere of observation was confined to the little world of his own affairs he concluded that the owner of woodville must be there for the purpose of arresting him probably some of those smart constables had traced him to the town where he had embarked for albany again the horrors of the courthouse the jail and the tinker's shop were present to his mind he had taken the valise and was now following mr grant to the hotel it was dark at the place where he had received the carpet-bag otherwise he would have been recognized noddy had no doubt in regard to the correctness of his conclusions and he could not help thinking that a great man like mr grant was taking a good deal of pains to capture a poor boy like him his arrest was a matter of a great deal more consequence than he had supposed which made it all the more necessary to his future peace and happiness that he should escape the bag tied him to his persecutor or he would have run away as fast as he could he could not carry off the baggage for that would subject him to another penalty even if he had been dishonest enough to do such a thing he decided to follow mr grant to the hotel drop the bag and run boy do you know where the police office is said mr grant suddenly turning round upon him no sir replied noddy whose natural boldness prompted him when fairly cornered to face the danger what noddy exclaimed mr grant i came to look for you thank you sir replied noddy you were a foolish fellow to run away i'm not going to hurt you neither is anybody else noddy was not a little astonished to find mr grant in his own homely terms trying it on in this manner it was not strange that the constable or even squire riggs should resort to deception to entrap him but he was not quite prepared for it from the upright proprietor of woodville if he was wanted bad enough to induce a gentleman of wealth and position to make a journey to albany after him it was the very best reason in the world why he should get out of the way as soon as possible how is miss bertha sir asked noddy 
who did not know what else to say. She is quite well, and feels very badly now at your absence. You have made a great mistake, Noddy, replied Mr. Grant. Is Miss Fanny pretty well, sir? Very well. We don't wish to injure you, or even to punish you, for setting the boathouse on fire. The worst that I shall do will be to send you— Is Ben any better than he was? continued Noddy, fully satisfied in his own mind in regard to the last remark. Ben is very well, said Mr. Grant impatiently. Now, you will come with me, Noddy, and not try to run away again. How is Mrs. Green and the rest of the folks? asked Noddy, fully resolved that even Mr. Grant should not pull wool over his eyes, as he quaintly expressed his view of this attempt to deceive him. She is well. Now come with me, Noddy. I will give you a good supper, and you shall have everything you need. Your circumstances have changed now, and you will be a rich man when you are of age. Have you heard from Mr. Richard lately, sir? Never mind, Richard, now. Come with me, Noddy. If you attempt to run away again, I shall be obliged to hand you over to the policeman. That looked much more like it, in Noddy's opinion, and he had no doubt of Mr. Grant's entire sincerity in the last remark. I will follow you, sir replied Noddy, though he did not intend to continue on this route much farther. "'You understand that I am your friend, Noddy, and that no harm shall come to you.' "'Yes, sir, I understand that. Come here now and walk by my side. I don't want to call a policeman to take charge of you.' Noddy did not want him to do so either, and did not intend that he should. He placed himself by the side of his powerful persecutor, as he still regarded him, and they walked together towards the hotel. The young refugee was nervous and uneasy, and watched with the utmost diligence for an opportunity to slip away. As they were crossing a street, a hack, approaching rapidly, caused Mr. Grant to quicken his pace in order to avoid being run over. Noddy, burdened with the weight of the carpet-bag, did not keep up with him, and was obliged to fall back to escape the carriage. Here, boy, you take this bag and follow the owner to the hotel, and he will give you something, said Noddy, to a ragged boy at the corner of the street. Without waiting for an answer, he darted down the cross street and made his best time in the rush for liberty. The boy, to whom Noddy had given the bag, ran over the street and placed himself behind Mr. Grant, whom he judged to be the owner of the baggage. Where is the other boy? demanded Mr. Grant. "'Gone down State Street to find ten cents he lost there,' replied the wicked boy. "'I'll carry your bag, sir.' "'But I want the boy. Which way did he go?' said Mr. Grant, in hurried tones. "'Down there, sir. His mother'll lick him if he don't find the ten cents he lost. I'll carry the bag.' But Mr. Grant was unwilling to trust his property to the hands of such a boy, and he immediately reclaimed it. "'I want that boy.' exclaimed Mr. Grant, in great agitation. Which way did he go? Down there, replied the ragged boy, pointing down a street in exactly the opposite direction from that taken by the fugitive. But Mr. Grant was too wise a man to follow. He was in search of a policeman just then. As these worthy functionaries are never at hand when they are wanted, of course he did not find one. He called a carriage, and ordered the driver to convey him with all speed and at double fare to the police office. 
on his arrival he immediately stated his business and in a few hours the whole police force of the city were on the lookout for poor naughty newman the object of all this friendly solicitude was unconscious of the decided steps taken by mr grant but he ran till he had placed a safe distance between himself and his potent oppressor he saw plenty of policemen in his flight but he paid no attention to them nor even thought what a powerful combination they formed against a weak boy like himself he was satisfied however that he must leave the city and when he was out of breath with running he walked as nearly on a straight course as the streets would permit till he reached the outskirts of the city stop that heifer shouted a man who was chasing the animal noddy headed her off and she darted away in another direction our refugee was interested in the case at once for he could not permit any horned beast to circumvent him he ran as though he had not run before that evening and brought the wayward animal up in a corner when the man came to his assistance you are a smart boy said the drover that's so puffed noddy modestly if you haven't got nothing better to do i'll make it worth your while to help drive these cattle down to the keers added the man as noddy had nothing better to do he at once accepted the offer without even stipulating the price they started the heifer again and she concluded to join the drove which was in the adjoining street it was no easy matter to drive the animals which were not accustomed to the ways of the city through the streets and noddy won a great deal of credit for the vigor and agility with which he discharged his duty they reached the ferry-boat and crossing came to the keers into which the young drover assisted in loading the cattle his employer gave him a quarter of a dollar which hardly came up to noddy's expectations for it seemed to him like working very hard and winning very little for it the man asked him some questions about his home noddy told as much of the truth as suited his purpose and concluded by saying he wanted to get to boston where he could find something to do oh you want something to do do ye replied the drover well i'll give you your victuals and what clothes you want to help me drive this was not exactly Noddy's idea of work and win, and he told the drover he wanted to go to sea. I'll tell you what I'll do. You may go down to Brighton and help take care of the cattle and the keers, and I'll take care of you on the way. Noddy was more than satisfied with all these keers, and he promptly accepted the offer. In half an hour the train started, and he was on the way to Brighton, which is only a few miles from Boston. End of chapter 9 Recording by Scarlet, Louisiana